I am Ari. I'm Nick. And I'm Legoland. Yeah, and welcome. Whose turn? It's not yours. Uh, welcome, everybody. Nick was speechless. I, I was mm -hmm. taken aback by this reference to my childhood. Um, mm -hmm. Welcome to this, the 52nd episode of Postpone. Um, I'm joined today by two people who I do this with every week. It's Ari and Wes. It's Ari and Wes! We're talking about some movies today. We're talking about two movies. Yeah. We're talking about Children of Men, and we're talking about Orlando from 1992. Not Orlando yeah. Bloom. Um, Who plays Legolas in Lord of the Rings, which Ooh, sounds kind of like Legoland, I guess. It Ooh, all connections. it all ties together, yeah. And we're going to ask the studio audience that we are performing in front of this time to try to keep your laughter to a minimum. Yeah. <laughs> Applause! You're too kind, you're too kind. Before we talk about any of that, we have a little bit of news to talk about. Ari, would you like to get us started with our news? Well, Sure. Because I am the Grim Reaper of movie theaters now for some reason, I have more issues, or at least, it's, it's, it, I was gonna say it might be mixed, but it's just kind of bad for theaters. In 2021, Warner Brothers, they produce movies, but they're gonna send them straight to HBO, as well as theaters, next year. Like for the entirety of the year. That's what it says. Also, so like that includes Dune and The live-action animated Tom and Jerry. <laughs> oh, yes. Amazing. So, because um, that's what's going to happen with Wonder Woman on Christmas uh, 1984 or something like that. I forget what, what the movie's called. But it's releasing Christmas Day. Next year, all the movies are going to just go straight to uh, HBO Max. I think they're just committing to that because, I mean, it's still super ambiguous to how the pandemic will turn out mm -hmm. in the mm -hmm. future. I think they just realized, you know what, we can make money and... It's, it's actually not that terrible of a business plan for them. And who needs theaters? Mm -hmm. yeah. I do. <laughs> yeah. It would be nice. But, you know, at the same time, you know, I, I have HBO Max. And I'm looking forward to getting to see a bunch of movies. Yeah. And also, what movies do they have? You know, like, they're probably not filming that much right now. So it's probably not a huge deal. Well, the article said something like 17 movies, um, right? Yeah, I think That's so. Not that much. Uh, let me I check. was going to say that um i'd like yeah, to correct 17. something i said in a recent episode i think it was the one where we had tom on and we talked about tom and jerry the movie we never said, admit that we're wrong okay nick no i said that warner brothers were cowards for disabling the comments on their video i've remembered that you can't have comments on children's content on youtube anymore so that probably was not their decision to turn off comments it's just because it's Wait, a children's what? film is that true yeah uh yes youtube is being a bitch and in order to combat i guess pedophiles they've decided all children's content on youtube cannot have in order comments. to stop people from typing eight equals d into the comments yeah which oh, is no but like also just make people censor it themselves you know like make the person who owns the video scan through it like don't disable it completely because now there are pwn videos that can't have con that can't have comments because really our videos are for children no, it's because we are children in them. They, they detected <gasps> that our voices are high-pitched enough. That <laughs> oh, we, no. That we oh, no. It. So the first, they had to do us dirty like that. Which means <laughs> that the first Pwn video does not have comments anymore, which means the famous Luigi Fan for Life comment is lost forever. I cannot no. believe this. This is an injustice. I'm leaving YouTube. I'm starting a podcast. <laughs> yeah, how are we going to get our criticism, our constructive criticism, from, like, 
three years ago. Uh-huh. Uh, six years ago. They're going to be like, wow, ago. Ari sucks in this episode. And we'll be like, yeah, that's Paul. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if Ari is the Grim Reaper of movie theaters, then I am the Grim Reaper of this one man that I will be talking about who is now dead. Mm. Um, Hugh Keysburn is dead at age 73. Um, not not an actor that I- I've seen much of, except for the fact that he is in not one, but two Mad Max movies, okay? Mm-hmm. He's the villain of the first Mad Max, uh, where he plays Toe Cutter, and then he's the villain of Fury Road, where he plays Immortan Joe. Um, oh. You know, he's a good actor. He's, he's a cool guy. He, it's an interesting decision to have had him play both. Uh-huh. That's interesting, yeah. I mean, yeah. I At first, I, at first when I heard about that, I was like, oh, is it going to be the same character? It's like, no, it's just... Just hey, this guy, this guy can act. He can be a good villain. Yeah, and they're pretty, they're pretty different characters. Like Toe Cutter's like a real person, and then Immortan Joe is just like crazy monster man. man. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of of classic villains who have unfortunately passed away, David mm-hmm. Prowse has passed away at the age of eighty five. Best known for being the physical body of Darth Vader in the original Star Wars trilogy, but he wasn't the voice of Darth Vader. He was not. He was just. But the is body. he the? Is he the egg of Darth Vader in the third movie? I, when I do think he's he a might. Egg? He might also be. No, that's someone else. Um, so there's three Darth Vaders. There are three Darth Vaders plus um, Anakin. Yes, plus whoever four. plays him in Rogue five, One. There are five, six Darth Vaders that. So we never see him, his face, or hear his voice in Star Wars. No, we don't. He but just exists. He is arguably the most important part of that character, other than James Earl Jones. No, I think so, it's the costume. <laughs> uh, well, someone's got to wear the costume, you know. But you they know didn't what else? Care he about is. him until he put on the mask. You know what else he's <laughs> in? Before he was in Star Wars, he actually was in a different film that wesley is quite fond of he's in a film i'm quite fond of yes he's in clockwork orange Ooh, is he one of the is he one of the is he one of the he's, the, he's not the a droog he's boys who are up to no good he's i'm trying to think of how to say this without spoiling it do you remember when oh, alex goes back to the house yeah and he gets carried in by a large man wearing a thong wait so he's not the writer no he's like the writer's bodyguard basically like his manservant i barely remember that but nice he's wearing a red thong and like thick like uh godfather style glasses you know he looks like mo green in a thong um (laughs) rest in peace darth vader yeah yeah. he was also a bodybuilder so there's also that um yeah so i I assume he'd probably be pretty strong to lift up all that armor like yeah Also, I I guess to make him look imposing and threatening, he's got to be a big guy. He was almost cast as Conan the the Barbarian, but that ended up going to Arnold Schwarzenegger. So, um, I'm saying there's an alternate universe where David Prowse was governor of California. I think that's oh, what I'm saying. Nice. But alas, that is not this one. Um, Wesley, I'm going to let you talk about Children of Men, the 2006 film by Alfonso Cuarón. Yes. Tell us about it. Why did uh, you didn't pick this? So you don't have to no. tell us why. But tell us what is this movie? This movie is uh, at its basic premise: the world has gone sterile. There hasn't been a new baby born in eighteen years. Uh, it's kind of going. I think it's only humans, right? Yeah. Yes, they. W- I think they would be very dead if it was everything in in the world. Yes. Um, the whole world's kind of gone to shit, except for England, which is you know under this. Uh, authoritarian totalitarian rule actually uh, still kind of gone to shit though yeah yeah it's it's still gone to shit it's definitely dystopian um 
our hero Clive Owen is uh, named Theo and is tasked with escorting this girl um, on a journey. And that's pretty much the, the thing. If you've played The Last of Us, it's that. <laughs> if you've read The Road, it's that. If you've seen... Seen Children of Men, it's that. <laughs> it's also, it, it is indeed Children of Men. No, if you read the book, it's based off of, uh, which I haven't, but I'm assuming it is that. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, that's the movie. I guess I'll start off with uh, my opinion of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like this movie. Uh, this is the second time I've seen this movie. Mm-hmm. I, I thought I thought Nick had seen this movie before I saw this movie, because if you go back to Pwn History, um, <sighs> in a very early episode of Pwn, uh, which you can no longer leave comments on. Which you can no so longer leave comment on. So don't tell, you can't tell us if you saw it. Um, uh, yeah, we are children. It is, it is um, this, the yeah. You know what? I think we're watching the trailer, and Wes makes a joke like uh, women are not having children or something. And I'm like, oh, that's just the plot of Children of Men. And Paul goes, I love that movie. I'm like, same here. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so Nick, uh, for the second of time in my friendship with him, lies about a movie that he has not seen but pretends to like. Um, so Don't tell him I, I still haven't seen 2001. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so I saw this movie a, a few years ago on the auspice that Nick had seen this movie. I he see. hadn't, um, but I saw this and I was like, Nick, wow, you're right, Children is good. And he's like, I haven't seen it. But anyway, <laughs> um, it is it is a very good movie. I like it a lot. It feels very video gamey. Um, I know like last time on the podcast we had a question about like ad- adapting video games into movies and i think that this is um it's not an adaption of a video game but it is i'll cut to the, i'll cut to the chase the great the greatest parts of this movie in my opinion are the action scenes which are mm-hmm. all filmed in these like amazing long take tracking shots it's it's amazing if you've seen 1917 that's nothing compared to this okay i genuinely think these are way more impressive even though it's not the entire movie just mm-hmm. as, as like i and i think it even works better because you know it's i it's not always good to have a movie like long yeah. takes aren't always necessary um in comparison 1917 is so clean like world war one was a terrible brutal war yeah and i think honestly this not even being about a real life war might be one of the best depictions of war ever put on film some of the scenes in this are insane and brutal and they work perfectly mm-hmm yeah. yeah, no, and I think like the way they the way they make these action scenes work, it's like a magic trick. Like it, it, literally, I think that they hired magicians to do this because there's <laughs> there's stuff appearing and disappearing. It's it's crazy. Um, but yeah, I, I love I love the action in this movie. I think the plot is also pretty good. I like you know it's got a twist uh, in the middle that I I really enjoy, um, and it's got great pacing. I think if I had to make one criticism, it's that. You know, there's not much character in this movie, and I think the least interesting character is the main character. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll get into this more, but it might just be because of the things that came after it. Like, uh, it, you know, it, it's it's become a trope of like middle-aged man who's like down on his luck, who doesn't like anything anymore, gets like a second shot to make himself valuable. Um, it feels like a cliche at this point, and I'm not sure how much it would have at the time. But I would say my biggest criticism is that the least interesting character is the main character and that not a lot of characters are super interesting but there are a few mm-hmm. yeah. all right um, nick you've I, seen this so go i will this is also my second time watching this um i'll say it quickly i really like this movie a lot it's 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 quite wonderful it's probably his best film but roma is pretty good and so is the third harry potter which i cannot believe he made right before this movie you know it is just so 
immensely different in tone, but you can also tell that it's his, you know, the way the camera moves especially is just very, uh, to steal a word from Wesley, it is magical in a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. I think this movie has some of the best world building ever put on film. Yes. Like, there is an immense amount of attention to detail in, like, the first ten minutes. You gather so much information about it. I think the soundtrack, like, the there's a lot of in-universe music that plays that's really good. The last 40 minutes of this film are incredible, I think. Everything, once they're in that little village... Oh, fantastic movie. <laughs> I'm excited to talk about it. I'm excited to see what Ari thinks of the movie, because I don't know. Ari, would you like yeah. to tell us your opinion of Children of Men? I would love to. I mean, I don't... I can't really think of anything that was bad because this is a very, very good movie, and I hey. loved it. And the only, okay, the only problem with it was, you know, it's... That it ended. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, not just that, but also it's stressful, but that's the point mm-hmm. of the movie, so I can't knock it for that. Like, that, this is a fantastic film. It, mm-hmm. it starts off so, like, intense, and it just hooks you, mm-hmm. and then it just doesn't stop giving. Mm-hmm. And, like... One of my main points was also going to be the world building is just so crazy in this film. Just the way they start it, how they introduced all the different parts of this dystopia. And all, there's so much going on, but it all feels logical and it's all given to you in a way on a plate that you can understand. Mm-hmm. And it just it ties so well to the plot, which is very interesting. And... Yes, I agree with Wes in some ways that the, there are characters that lack personality. However, I feel not every movie, this movie isn't done that big a disservice by not having him have that big of that much of a personality. Yeah. Like action movies, for example, when we're talking about Tenant or earlier in the year, it's you you can't give everyone such deep personalities. If you're not going to focus on it, for example, Waves, it had a not as fairly bare-bone plot, but every character was super in-depth, and that's why it was amazing. An action movie like this, where the biggest character is the setting, I feel like it doesn't hinder it too much. But overall, insanely good film. It exceeded all my expectations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. No, I will say on the character thing, like, I think, and I don't. I even think like they are fleshed out. So I guess mm-hmm. I should rephrase it that like I feel like it at this point the main character is kind of a cliche and feels easy to write that as like your main character of this post-apocalyptic story mm-hmm. um, because it's like set in so many uh, like common conventions. So I just I, I would be interested to see a post-apocalyptic movie that has a character that is different from uh, you know yeah. guy who. Uh, True. It, a, a father who has lost something who now I, wants I to I want to see everyone. a post-apocalyptic movie where the main character is just overly optimistic about everything. Yeah. Wait, exactly. that's just the, like, that's just the first 20 minutes of the Lego movie too. That's <laughs> Emmett running around <laughs> Brickstopia or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess Wes, I'll, I'll get... Can what? you, like, a minute 30 seconds? A minute like, 30 I, seconds. I know there's a ton to say about this, but can I'll you make just... I'll just focus on the major thing. So, spoiler yeah. alert, because, uh, <clears throat> you know, there's some twists and turns. So, basically, um, it's revealed that the guy that he, the girl that Theo has to escort is pregnant, the first pregnant person in 18 years. 
Um, and so he escorts her along with Julianne Moore. Um, while they're escorting her, uh, they get attacked. Julianne Moore gets killed. Um, so then, you know... The, Very famous scene. Yeah. Uh, this, is, this is the big one, yeah. It, it, it's, is this it's, that it's famous? Beautiful. It was insanely good, though. It's it was... beautiful. Um, anyway, so Theo goes with uh, Julianne Moore's, like, cult, or no, uh, resistance group or whatever, back mm-hmm. to, like, some farm, some safe house, uh, where they're going to, like, regroup and just have the baby there. Um, and they're, they're going to quit on the journey. But then... Theo finds out that Chiwetel Ejiofor, uh, Black Martin Luther King, I believe is his name. Yep, yep. Um, <laughs> Even though, yep. <laughs> uh, it plotted to have Julianne Moore killed uh, so then he could like use the baby as some like Jesus baby for the revolution. So then Theo takes uh, the girl and this midwife and runs. Um, they, they get chased and then they, uh, they're trying to get to this boat which is owned by the Human Project, which is a group of scientists that can take the baby and, you know, find a cure to infertility. So mm-hmm. the way they do this is they go to uh, Theo's dad, Martin Sheen? No. What's his name? <laughs> Michael Caine. <laughs> yes, Michael Caine. And, uh, the, it's, and It's not his dad, is it? I thought he was just, like, his friend. I think it was his dad. It's, I, I don't know, because he calls him by his first name, but it seems like a, a, a father. But he also has a, a different last name. Does he? Yeah, his name's Jasper okay. Palmer. I think Uncle. he's just some old man that he's friends with. Okay, it's his old, his old man friend, uh, and then uh, hitches up a plan for them to sneak into a prison, uh, and then from that prison to go to uh, get get to the boat to steal a rowboat and sail out to the boat. And they get to the prison, shit goes down. Chiwetel Ejiofor raids it, and there's just like a lot of action going on. And but eventually um, they make it out, and then Theo dies bleeding out on a boat as they get picked up by the Human Project. Yeah, and then as the credits begin, you hear the sound of children playing and laughing and frolicking. Amazing. Um, as the credits begin to roll. Um, all right. Because they're watching Zootopia. Mm-hmm. Yes. Let I I want to start at the beginning, right? This movie does a lot in the first fifteen minutes, right? We we open with like news footage of baby Diego has just died, the youngest person on the planet. He's died at the age of like eighteen years and something something, right? Immediately off the bat, that is the perfect way to set up this world, because now you know, okay, no one is younger than this, right? It's a huge deal. The fact that this guy got murdered just for being the youngest probably implies that the world's pretty messed up, right? Mm-hmm. We pull back, we see this London street, it's just it looks depressing. Then something explodes, and you're like, oh, this isn't just normal depressing London, this is future depressing London, and it's right? all, And it's all one take, and, like, it, it, the movie eases you into the one take shots, where it's it like, does. you don't you don't think, you don't realize it's all one take until it's, like, halfway through, and you're like, wait, they haven't cut yet, and this building is now blown up in real yeah. time. Like, <laughs> And, like, I mean, the, I, I love, I wrote down some of the things that I think are really good world building. I love the overt, extreme British nationalism. There's a bit on the train where it pulls back from, like, mm-hmm. a montage of cities getting destroyed, and it says, only Britain lives on, you know? No, but that also does good with the world building, because it explains all of the uh, immigrants, which are not only big to the setting, but also the plot later on mm-hmm. with the camp. Um, yeah. There's also, like, animated billboards saying, like, sperm tests are required. You By law, you have to get fertility tests every however often. Like, they never... They never mentioned that, but it's like, yeah, of course they would have that if they're trying to figure out how to solve infertility. Um, they make weird references to whatever happened in New York. I think a nuclear bomb dropped on New York at some point, 
and they just make little tiny references to it here and there. Something happened in New York, because, yeah, Julianne Moore's parents died in New York. I didn't even know yeah. that. Um, Theo wears a London 2012 Olympics shirt. Um, this movie came out six years before the London Olympics. <gasps> so... This movie told the future? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, like, there's, there's good stuff like that, you know? Uh, I think that world building in this is fantastic. There's mm-hmm. the guy that lives in the power plant that's on the cover of Animals by Pink Floyd, and he's yep. got a giant floating pig. He has a Banksy just sitting he in a warehouse. the Statue of David. Yes. Missing only the little right shin. His son plays with, like, a weird, like, digital Rubik's Cube. Yeah, know? using, like, his hands. I will say, my least favorite part of dialogue in this movie is when Michael Caine explains the, the plot of the immigrants because a mm-hmm. bus goes by of immigrants, and he's like, wow, look, that's a bus of immigrants. Like, it really yeah. sucks what the government does to them. And I'm like, wait, I already knew this. Like, the movie establishes it so well, you don't need to tell me, Michael Caine. You've already shown, don't need to tell. When he's talking to Julianne Moore and he says, were your parents in New York when it happened? I'm like, hey, that's good, subtle writing. They he. Were your parents in New York when the nuclear bomb dropped? No, and remember, remember when our parents died in New York? <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, hey, that's pretty good. And then it was immediately followed by her saying, like, remember when we? And I'm like, any sentence that starts "remember when we" yeah. is just not good. Not writing. realistic at all. But like, those are the minority. Definitely, right. most of the writing is very good. You know, mm-hmm. um, and it and it eases you into the world, right? Like it it shows things. It, you know, first you see. Blah, 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 world's gone to shit because no one's having fertility. Then you see, okay, there's like terrorist groups. Then you see, oh, there's also like mm-hmm. these uh, immigrant right groups, and maybe the government's actually making them look like terrorists by bombing the places. Like, you know, it builds stuff up. And then you see this this refugee camp, you know, where you see these immigrants being taken places throughout the movie, and then it yeah, actually takes place in a refugee camp later. So Yeah, it, which uh, the refugee camp is in, um, in Bexel-on-Sea, which is an actual village in England. So uh-huh. rip people that live there and saw the dystopian version of their city. But, I mean, it's like it's like Escape yeah. from New York. Like they just took a city uh, and just made it into a prison. I'm I'm interested in because Ari has been known on the podcast to not really care for depressing films. I'm interested what this one did to set it apart from. Well, this one's exciting. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, like why um... is this not Suspiria 2018? Oh, <laughs> so many reasons. Well, first off, mm-hmm. it makes sense. Mm. Second off, everything that happened felt necessary. Third off, the people weren't insane. I feel like everything about Suspiria, I just hate <laughs> that 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 movie, mm-hmm. including Tilda Swinton. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> um, uh, but it's just. This movie, it feels more like an adventure. It has that little bit of that Odyssey feel that yeah. you, you have from Captain Command. Of course, the tone is extremely different. But I'm invested in what is happening. And the plot is clear enough and makes enough sense and has shown to you a captivating enough way or intuitive enough way to where I'm on board with it. And the action scenes only serve to make that so much better and more enjoyable of an experience. Because I'm already engaged with the plots, but the action scenes being above and beyond just make this movie so entertaining to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's talk about the car scene. Yeah. I was going to say really quickly, okay, yeah. you brought up, you said it's like an odyssey. Like this movie did give me very weird Inferno vibes because it's like he he's currently living in 
London or wherever, and he's like, yeah, this isn't great, but at least it's something. But he goes to, like, progressively worse and worse places and witnesses worse and worse things. You know, I think that that's vaguely Dante-esque, I guess. And then when they're on the boat at the end, it's really cold, just like how the lowest part of hell is cold. Yeah, he's gone under Satan's ass, I think, is what happens in that book. Car scene. (laughs) Car scene, scene, yes. yes. Amazing. Um, Let me just say... The, what I was saying earlier about how the long takes ease you in. First time I saw this, and it, it, I didn't even realize that you know they were doing something here. But it's like it just starts off like it, this. This scene has like a perfect progression. It just starts off with like they're just playing ping pong with their mouths, and I'm like, oh, that's like really cool. Like that's funny. And then like this like flaming car drives down, and she's just like she's just like you gotta like you gotta like go. And he's like, no, no, she's like you gotta back up. And he's like, I think I can make it. I think I can make it. And I'm like, okay, you know, like. It's a minor diversion, and then you know the car blocks them, and it's like, oh shit, they can't go. They gotta back up. I'm like, now they gotta back up, and then you just see like these waves of like bikers come in, and it's like, oh shit, and then they just fucking kill like one of the main characters mm-hmm. in like the first thirty minutes of this movie. Like, and Julian Moore is one of the most famous the... actors in this, so to yeah. kill to kill her off within thirty minutes is like it takes balls, and like the but way also... the characters are snuffed out in this movie, amazing. To to set it up like that with like the ping pong scene you know one of the more unique ways to uh show some people having yeah. fun i think i've never thought of that ever that's but some phallic it imagery also, it also it, it reminds me of the scene mm-hmm. in harry potter 3 when they're sitting around eating the the candies that make them sound like animals you know uh-huh. alfonso Cuarón likes building characters in very weird ways but, is that not in the book uh no nah, not directly i think oh nice um, <laughs> but yeah he Again, because she gets killed off so early, and she's not, like, this can't do, like, the Psycho thing, where in Psycho, Marion Crane is the main character. She's the only one we've seen up to her death. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this, Julianne Moore is a secondary character, so it's important to build her right before killing her so that we like her. And I think this movie does that successfully, mm-hmm. even though she's on screen for only, like, eight minutes, you know? Mm-hmm. I was about to say, I wasn't the biggest fan of this character, because I didn't really, like, understand the dynamic. And then the ping pong scene, I was like, okay, I, I understand them. I'm finally appreciative of this character. Uh-huh. And about 30 seconds later, she gets capped. And it like, works so well. Yeah, no, this yeah. scene goes from 0 to 60, like, faster than any movie I can think yeah. of. And I, I will say, I, I think I only saw it, like, a year and a half ago, but I forgot about the twist that it was a setup, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In my mind, I remembered someone getting killed. I thought it was Chiwetel gets shot in the face. Yeah. So when he didn't get shot, I'm like, huh. And then later when we find out he was, he's like a traitor, sort of. Him saying, I think I can make it. Because I was saying, like, dude, drive faster, go backwards immediately yeah. or something, mm-hmm. like get exactly. out. But now During I, scene, you know, I feel like, oh. like, dude, he's taking so long to go reverse, just go in reverse. And I just thought that was one of those, you know, parts of movie suspense where like, mm-hmm. Why are you not running? Why are you uh, staring uh-huh. at the enemy as they come toward you? Yeah. So, so I'm mean, just going reverse. This is dumb movie stuff, but now it makes absolutely perfect sense. Mm-hmm. I think the way the twist is set up is also really well done in the ramping up because it first starts off like you see the bikers show up and you're like, wait, what are they doing there? And then like he sees Shiwatel Ejifer talking to them. And he's like, wait, what is this about? And then he eavesdrops on them and then they drop the bombshell on you. So like, mm-hmm. and, and that scene, I think that scene also does a, a great job of progressing you slowly get like these tiny drip feeding of like the plot twists and then it happens and then also the escape scene like this very low speed chase (laughs) where everyone's cars messed up and they're just Uh running through mud like that that's fantastic because it's not 
the most exciting thing ever but you know if he gets caught this movie is not afraid to kill characters right yeah so you're actually afraid that one of them's about to get shot and killed you know like maybe the old woman is gonna get killed the old woman by the way is aunt marge from the third harry potter uh so oh. maybe that's uh that's how she ended up in this movie i guess maybe um, yeah yeah and also you start to realize the intensity of the long shots and how they're committing to that in the amazing car scene. And then you get the whole uh, espionage, not really espionage, like the spy eavesdrop scene, mm-hmm. which is all one take. Then he gets the uh, the key, girl, key. Yep. And then the slow chase. It just, it just feels so... In- action scenes can feel so intu- intuitive when you understand everything that's happening mm-hmm. and where everything is. Yeah. And long shots and can states. do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not just there being long shots. Just the choreography of where people are going and how the scenes are changing just feels like these action scenes are so easy to get behind yeah. and comprehend. And also just like the way that it's filmed and like set up. Like there's there's like I noticed watching it this time, there's a shot of them when they go into the safe house just like driving from like a, a normal, like kind of well paved road uphill Mm -hmm. down like this like dirt road up to the safe house and it's like that's important for later Mm -hmm. on to know that like the car is not gonna be able to start when you you, apparently apparently this is a thing and i didn't know this because i've never driven a a a manual transmission car but apparently Mm -hmm. you have to like get it fast enough so then you can release the clutch and start it which is why he has to push it um Mm -hmm. all the way down which you know attention to detail right there Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm That was context clues. I did not know that either, but I'm like, I believe that. Uh And then also, like, (laughs) this movie, honestly, it's no secret that I like my long takes, right? I like ensemble staging, and I like longer takes. Yes. And I think this movie is important because this is some of the best use of long takes ever. Because you can make a long take. You can make 1917, but 1917 is a gimmick. In this, the long takes never feel like gimmicks. Mm -hmm. With the sole exception of the car scene, it never really draws attention to itself. And even the car scene, there is a purpose for having it in one take, you know? It makes sense to show it in one take. The whole end battle, basically, where they're running through this city getting blown up, is so fantastic because it, it it doesn't need to be one take but it it makes you feel like oh i am here i am watching this actively happen and it allows it to be paced in real time and everything feels so so big you know he's very very good at at using the camera in these like weird flowing ways and there's lots of handshake but not like not shaky cam just you can tell a guy's holding the camera you know yeah and i think it works really well no yeah and i I think like kind of with that realism you're talking about that's like the long takes really help with that. I'm thinking back to the car scene is like when Julianne Moore gets shot, you see her get shot and then you're like, okay, she's shot. And then the, the scene keeps going and it pans away from her. And then it pan, when it pans back to her, like not that long later, but just like 10 seconds later, she's like covered in blood, which yeah. is like, yeah. um, that's kind of like that magic trick thing that I was talking about earlier. It's like they, they did they probably did a lot of stuff with like having like fake blood on her that she just like pours over or something going on there. But the fact that they're able to capture that all in one take, it makes it feel so much more real that she has just been shot and she is bleeding out in real time. Yeah. It's yeah. like cinema verite. It feels like a documentary almost, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, 
but like he he does these even like gravity yeah know? i was gonna say gravity like that first scene when or when it gets hit right like that mm-hmm. that's a really good long take and yeah. it is kind of sweeping all over the place uh the scene when it goes through the 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 mirror, the mirror? In, oh uh, amazing the, the, how does Harry he do Potter. it how, literally um, how does he do that come on incredibly i have so. one more thing to say about the movie before we can talk about themes um actually i have two things there's a gun sound effect that they use when he's inside the building going towards Chiwetel that is the exact same sound as my character shooting at the Don <laughs> dinner scene in Don of the Damned. It is the same exact sound effect. So he um, stole it from you. <laughs> and then there's also a sound effect that I swear to God appears in like the 2005 CD-ROM video game of Finding Nemo. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I don't know why I remember this, but there's like a game where you play with shells and you have to find a shrimp hidden under a shell. And for whatever reason, there's a sound of like a ricochet in this movie that's also in that video game. <laughs> um, I don't know why I remembered that, but soundtrack is very, very good. Um, the music, the scores, I, I don't remember it a lot, but I do like the soundtrack of music in this film a lot. I agree. I do think some of it was kind of like, um, I think it's Logan has fake songs because it's set in the future, has like future pop songs in it, right? Mm -hmm. I think in the limousine sequences, yeah. Yeah, I think that this also might have some of that. There's music that I'm not at all familiar with that I think might be... You who knows all music. Well, I don't know all music, (laughs) but like I was looking up the soundtrack and I Uh couldn't find some Uh of the songs that are in there. I'm like, huh, maybe they... There's enough world building that that'd be fine, but... They, they have some Crimson King in there. It's like, oh, man. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, uh, Michael Caine listens to Radiohead. It's great. That's true. Um, yeah. yeah. No, the soundtrack is good. I'd say about the score, I'm not super big on it, especially, like, the Jesus music towards the end when, like, the choir comes in and it's, like, a messiah. I don't know. That's a little heavy-handed in my opinion. There's there's a lot of religious symbolism in this film, though. There's a whole section on the Wikipedia page about it, and Alfonso Cuaron specifically asked for the composer to make a long-ass 15-minute piece uh, highlighting spiritual themes. So that's, I assume, what you're referring to. Yeah. Um, I thought it worked, you know? I get it. I agree. It's it's, It's a bit... But, like, you know, I think it works. It's not totally inappropriate it's not as bad as in batman v superman when superman dies and there's like 15 crosses on the (laughs) on the shot like yeah um themes okay what do you guys want to want to say there's not a lot of phallic imagery um (laughs) the ping pong ball uh okay (laughs) um this says something about sexes Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> what it, like is. it is called. It is called. I'm, I, I feel like our next movie it. might say more about that. There's two films yes. about sex here today. Um, you know what I do think. You know that saying, "It takes a village to raise a child." Yeah. Yes. I think that is basically the the summary of this film. Think about how many people die for this child to be born. I think I don't know how intentional it is, but this movie was making me think. Um, the fact that everyone's giving up their life for this one child, maybe the fact there hasn't been a baby in 18 years is like, oh, this baby's important, right? Um, I think this movie's highlighting, like, oh, 
we we don't place a lot of importance on this thing that maybe we should, you know? I think the movie might be saying, hey, we take life for granted. Um, I don't know how intentional that is, but that was the thing that I came out of it thinking. I'm like, okay, I see what you're doing there, Alfonso. Yeah, yeah. I, I was kind of thinking about that um, also in the terms of, like, lack of hope leads to nihilism. Because, like, it's like, in my opinion, like, that's kind of what makes the world goes to shit is not that there's no kids, but, like, it's that the fact that there's no kids means that there's no future for humans, so it doesn't matter what you do. Like, if you don't think that your impact matters, then that's when you become the Joker, you know? So Yeah. <laughs> but I do think this movie is kind of looking at, like, um, if you don't have any legacy to care about, like Wes says, like, what's the point? I think that continuum of people, the fact that you're part of a bigger picture is kind of what makes things important in life. Um, mm-hmm. And if you don't have, if you're at the end of the line, it's like, ah, well, I can just fucking die, I guess, you know. But uh, yeah, I don't know. That was another thing I thought about. I I think mm-hmm. the movie is more hopeful than than nihilistic. Yeah, but it highlights nihilism, you know, and how that can take over, and it just kind of uh, criticizes criticizes nihilism. Mm-hmm. I, I think I it's, mean, it's hopeful that like it's do. if we have hope then we're good if we lose hope then exactly it's another dystopia but at the end the antidote is getting to the scientists movies you know thing is when i kind of saw a more literal interpretation of like the roles children have in society Mm -hmm. not more like for logistics obviously but for the morale because Children are known for not their logic or they do getting things done, but their compassion mm-hmm. and caring for one another. I mean, you I can debate that, but at least that's <laughs> that's maybe not themselves, but that's what they give to us. Yeah, like we care about children. Having children around makes people compassionate. Like we put them before ourselves for some unexplained reason. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is explained, but it's just in- intuitive to nature. So without that all humans kind of fend for themselves and we go into anarchy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's also the moment when the child is brought out of the building and all the soldiers stop shooting and they're all staring at the child, right? Yeah. And then immediately all of them at the same time start blowing up the building again. Um, yeah. I thought that was saying something. I don't really know what, but like... <laughs> don't kill children. Like, oh, look how wonderful <laughs> life is. You know? But... Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah, this, I I really like this movie. This is a very good film. It is very. I good. think it's a film I could get a lot out of on another watch, not just tonally or thematically, but yeah, you know, there's this... so much more of the of like little hidden things, world building, and also extremely enjoy- enjoyable action scenes. Mm-hmm. That it kind of has it all. Yeah, all of all of Alfonso Cuarón's films feel like a lesson in how to make movies. You know. Um, mm. Yeah. Because they're all different. They're very different films, right? What's the third Harry Potter again? Prisoner uh, of Azkaban. Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh. Like, whoa. <laughs> 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 um, like, it's it's just... Okay, that is the different one. I, I know there was... Prisoner of Azkaban was... That's a know, very strange one, yeah. It well, is strange, and there are mixed feelings about it. Yeah. However, I remember liking it. It's the it's second best favorite. one. Yeah. Hey, I yeah. think it's the best one. I know, but I know. Goblet is better than I thought it was. It's good, watching, it's good. But it's 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 not the best one. 
Okay. But did he put the name in the goblet of fire, Dick? Inquiring <laughs> minds need to know. Okay. Uh, um, <laughs> um. Yeah. I, I love. I just want to say I love hippie Michael Caine. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's all I want to say. I think. This I is, think it's great. This is one of Michael Caine's last roles where he tries. Um, <laughs> this and the Dark Knight are really the last two. Yeah, because the Michael Dark Knight rises, he's like, I don't, I, I'm not trying. I'm not I don't even do, He does, he does do stuff in Interstellar. You know, he he definitely tries in that one. He cries. You know, maybe that this is. He this just is, likes Christopher Nolan. He he will try for Christopher Nolan. He's a, he's even in Tenet. You know, he's yeah. eating dinner. He's uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Good he movie. is another example of something that I thought of earlier but forgot to bring up is that everything in this film there's nothing in this film that has one purpose yeah Mm -hmm. everything else ties in in multiple ways and that that just builds into why you can be so immersed into a film because you're familiar with things as things go on yeah in order to advance the plot a lot of movies they bring up random things that have never uh, existed before Mm -hmm. star wars for example when you do a (laughs) fantasy thing you're like oh this new technology or this new plot point or enemy mm-hmm. or for some reason the emperor is back <laughs> or yeah. Yeah. yep you can That's now actually... hyperspace through an entire ship but only this one time yeah it's and actually... fuel exists now however in this film everything things come back but things come back in such a way that feels so intentional uh-huh like right, looking back on it, but of course, uh, doesn't feel intentional. Like within yeah. the plot, no, yeah, but... yeah. Like it feels out of the blue. It's like why should we tell you for at the prison? And then you're like, oh wait, no, he's staging the revolution here. Like everything makes sense. Like yeah. it's not a coincidence at all. Perfect sense. There's also no attempt to explain why everyone's infertile, which I appreciate mm-hmm. that they just yeah, said. But they do highlight that we don't know. There's yeah, yeah. There's no scientific explanation. There's no basis in real life for that, so they just said, "I yeah. don't worry about it." Yeah. I, no, I we're all think... we're all we're all mules. <laughs> I mean, it, I like I like things being a mystery in movies when you know it's integral to the plot, but you can't explain it with ties to the real world. Something mm-hmm. Tenet do, didn't do right, yeah. Instead of like, oh, this is because quantum entanglements <laughs> of the reverse. Yeah, don't protons. try to explain it. This is a like very you, you could either and there's two ways you can go about it. You can just not acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. Which I don't think is the best way, but in this case they go the route where they just acknowledge that oh scientists don't know, then they bring up some like what possibility thinks, but like that humanity, yeah, right. has brought up to the table to think what it might have been. But in the end, like we don't know. This is just the situation we're in. Are you kidding me? No, it's beca- it, it's because uh, Denzel Washington's son went <laughs> back in time into the twenty third dimension and caused everyone to become infertile. Oh, true. Duh. I forgot. So- I forgot that scene. I was about to complain that this movie was nominated for but did not win Best Cinematography. Um, but it Dude, lost it, it lost to Pan's Labyrinth, which I'm actually I think Another this should have won. Alpha, no, that's uh, the other Guillermo guy. del Toro. Guillermo okay. del Toro. Is that everything we have to say about this film? I believe I think so. so. Yeah. Excellent right. excellent film. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna give a pause here <laughs> in case we have I know, I know what you, I know what you're thinking. Okay. Now let's talk about our next. <laughs> <laughs> when you least expect it. 
Expect the unexpectable. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Martinelli's. Ooh. Martinelli's apple juice. We all know and love uh. Martinelli's apple cider. It is some of the best sparkling apple juice that you can have. All kids in all ages can have at the dinner table. It feels super expensive, but really isn't. How tragic and, you know, is it that I have four empty bottles of Martinelli's over there in the corner? That I not at all, because I don't blame them. you. That stuff no, is that's absolutely good, fantastic. It's, it's yeah, but I but prior yeah. to being here, I had never drinking Martinelli's alone, and it just feels wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, today it's like we're drinking talk champagne about... in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> Today we're, I'm gonna. We are sponsored by Martinelli's non-sparkling normal apple juice. Non-apple. They come. Non -juice. <laughs> yes, this one comes in the the little apple container. The plastic one is notorious for sounding like an apple if you bite into it, but also the big glass apple-shaped container. Both have amazing apple apple juice with inside. So go to www.applejuice/tom-eastman for 10% <laughs> off. Your non-sparkling, fantastic Martinelli's apple juice. Amazing. Excellent. Please, please do it, because we're strapped for cash. We we didn't do a sponsor <laughs> last episode. <laughs> All right. So, let's talk about our next film. Yes. So, I recommended, for my personal spotlight, the 1992 British film Orlando by Sally Potter. It is based on a 1928 Virginia Woolf novel called Orlando, a biography. This is a movie that I saw back in March, I think. It was on Criterion. I said, hey, it's short. It's got Tilda Swinton. Those are two things I like in a movie. I'll watch it, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I was kind of fascinated by it. It was a very, very strange film. And as I was watching it, I was thinking, I will probably recommend this on Postpone at some point. And I get to the ending and I say, I will definitely recommend this on Postpone, <laughs> if only to see the reaction of my co-host to the last 10 seconds of this film. But so I, I, I liked it when I first saw it. I liked it when I watched it last night, maybe even more so when I watched it last night, I liked it. As I was watching it, I didn't want to pause. I wanted to just go straight through. So I didn't take notes on my computer, but I didn't have paper where I was sitting. So I wrote on a drinking cup. I wrote all my notes <laughs> in pencil on the side of this cup. Um, okay. Okay. So it might. We are professionals out here. Yeah. Um, some of them are single words. I don't know what tree means. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think my general points about this film are: I think it's fascinating. This movie. I'm trying to think of like what to start with because I honestly have no clue what either of you thought of this movie. I, for one, think it's great. What is this movie about, really briefly? Very briefly, this is the second film that we have watched where Tilda Swinton plays both a man and a woman. The fact we have now seen two of these movies, it means something. I don't know what it <laughs> means, but it means something. This is about a young man born in the Elizabethan era who is like the page of Queen Elizabeth. Um, his name is Orlando. And he ends up living through most of British history, not aging, and also slowly becoming a woman. And that's really just what this movie is. I think it's excellent. I think it's a very good film. I, I just don't know what to say. There's just not anything I can say that's really negative about it. I think, first off, I think it's very well written. 
Virginia Woolf, never read a book of, uh, by her, never seen the movie Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, never seen The Hours. <laughs> the, the biggest complaint I could think of someone giving is that this movie doesn't need to exist because it's saying something that was said in the 1920s. This is definitely a feminist film, which I forgot when I recommended it, and now I get to say, hey, look, everyone, I'm a feminist, apparently. Um, but I don't think that matters. The fact is, based on a book means it has to be judged as a movie, right? You can't judge the story. You have to judge the film for what it is, and I think it's a very good film. Gorgeous film. I think the soundtrack is incredible. All of the music in this movie I love, the acting I love. It takes all these weird twists and turns that I really like. I think it's clever. I have nothing but good things to say about it. Um, now tell me why I'm terribly wrong. Um, let's start with Ari. Okay, I was hoping you say that. Because everything you said in the last 20 seconds, I believe the complete opposite. Uh-huh. I expected this. <laughs> this movie... Ari, before you say anything about the movie... Do you like Tilda Swinton? Okay. <laughs> We're not giving him a good impression. <laughs> no, that's the thing. Like, uh-huh. I, I respect her, but there's three things I know about her. Suspiria 2018, this film, and also that she said she didn't play a man in Suspiria 2018. Hey, she was also But no one asked her if she played <laughs> a... What? She was also an adaptation for 10 minutes, if you recall. She was yeah. the book agent. Oh yeah, no I movie. Fine there. Never mind. She's a great actress. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but mm-hmm. my goodness, this this film, <laughs> it it why it feels like it makes no sense. And well, I don't understand why is she breaking the fourth wall constantly? Okay, she has the skills to play a guy, but she plays the two women main... in other films. I promise. <laughs> the, I the thing is before I realized spoilers i'm gonna spoiler right now i don't care that she changes genders actually you think you said that in the in the in the synopsis of no she, li- she literally changes sex like she that's she sorry, doesn't she just sex change gender she is that, now biologically I, th- that, I don't think that's spoilers i think that's the point yeah. of the movie before that uh-huh. i hated it so much more because really? yeah because i thought she's just trying to be pretentious be like oh i can play other gender <laughs> and then the queen is played by a guy yes <laughs> this is true it's like why so this first this movie so far i'm not interested because it makes no sense it feels pretentious because of these things not that uh-huh. you can't do the other but it feels given what i know of tilda swinton it just feels pretentious and so art it's so arty that it does feel pretentious <laughs> like super pretentious mm-hmm. and it's just it was annoying and i hated the music really and I hated. I can't tell. I, I have a mixed line between it being kind of relieved that it just somehow turns diegetic every time we hear it, and I'm also think I hate it more for that reason. <laughs> and like, okay, like, okay, I kind of get where the themes of this thing is going, and then mm. it takes a hammer and it fucking beats my skull with the theme. <laughs> so it's like I don't. I don't see any reason to like this film. I don't even think it looks nearly as good as uh, Children of Men. Okay, fair enough. I, 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 I agree with everything you say. I, I don't agree with anything you say. <laughs> I, I understand everything you say, except for the fact that you don't think it looks good. I, 
I think this film looks like a fucking painting. It I looks I good. love I love the visual style of this film. Okay, so maybe somewhere um, in between. Wes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, I guess I do land somewhere in between. I didn't expect uh-huh. this. I, 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 I don't like this movie, um, <laughs> but I didn't expect to not, I didn't expect to not hate it as much as Ari did. Um, <laughs> my first note, my first note that I wrote down when I watched this movie, Nick, is I said, oh no, Nick, what have you done? This is Knight of Cups, okay? This is, this is it. Hey, this I is that movie. Seen, I haven't seen Knight of Cups. Yeah, you'll like it, okay? But, but you'll like I it. do know people that hate Knight of Cups that like this film. That's all I, I hate both. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, I don't hate this movie. I it's just I don't like this movie. Um, I, I I disagree with Ari. I think all the 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 formal stuff is all great. I I really like the music and I think it looks really good. Like not only is the cinematography amazing, like the wardrobe is amazing. Like all the costumes are great. It's it's like the favorite, but like better. Uh, I'd say even in terms of costumes. Um, but like. I don't know, dude. Like, I don't have a problem with anything that's going on in the movie other than just that, like, it feels incoherent. (laughs) And it's like, I don't know what is going on because, look, not every movie has to have a plot, but this is, like, aggressively anti-plot. Even though, Mm. like, you know, there's things that are carried over. It's not like a bunch of vignettes. Like, there there is, like, um, yeah, it's just, this this is why I don't like Art House. This is just, like, things happening, and it's just, like, look at this. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, this, I, this is not Dr. Strangelove. You're allowed to dislike this movie. I do. I'm not, I'm not going to fight you on this one, but I do think you're wrong. Okay. Okay. Well, why don't you do a quick synopsis so I, I will do a quick synopsis. Um, I will say, before I do the synopsis, I did expect Ari to dislike it. I, mm. I don't know what I expected from Wes... But I don't know if I expected both of them to dislike it. But mm-hmm. all right, here we go. Here we go. So this film starts in I think sixteen, may, maybe sixteen hundred. Yeah. We meet Orlando. Orlando is uh, a young twenty, thirty something who is a member of the British aristocracy, and he becomes the queen's favorite shortly before her death. And she says to him, "Hey." I like you. You're gonna get some land. She says, the only condition is uh, you have to obey this. Do not fade, do not wither, do not grow old. Right? She's like, yup. She's just like, okay, I I will keep that promise, right? And to her credit, slash his credit, he does not grow old. Um, He continues to be 30 Mm -hmm. for the entirety of British history. So... We then continue to jump through various periods of British history. Um, Orlando's become interested in poetry. He's not very good at it. And the poet that he invites to his house to, I guess, grade his homework um, is like, hey, look, the problem is you live here in a big old house and you don't do anything. Real poets are the people. You're just a dabbler, right? And he's like, oh, I need experience. I'm going to go be an ambassador somewhere. So he goes to, like, Also, the before Empire. that, he does fall in love with, like, a Russian He, Russian he falls in love with a Russian woman named Sasha and is like, women. Oh, yeah, because, because she cheats on him. engaged. Mm-hmm. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. Even though he is also cheating on. Oh yeah. Also, okay. I I didn't even I, catch that that she's engaged. No one. To that guy. No one that's watching this. No one that's listening to this podcast has seen this movie. So I'm going to like barely do a synopsis because I'm okay, also going to yeah. be giving sure. commentary at the same time. Sure. Um, one of the things I love about this movie is how it presents the British royalty. It's so awkward. Every scene with the British, they just don't know how to react to anything. Like there's the one bit when he's asleep after his heart is broken and they like keep coming up the stairs with more and more people just like gently like, hello, wake up now. And they start singing for him. Like something about that is just so funny to me that they just don't. Yeah, you're understand wrong, but like, <laughs> they just don't. It's a funny idea, okay. you know. I will, it's... I will grant you that was the funniest part of the film, in my opinion. Uh huh. I think they tried to be funny several other times. That felt very flat to me. However, uh-huh. that one, this I saw the humor. This is definitely not a comedy, but I, I, I thought that was definitely intended to be a joke. But also, yes. Once, once he becomes so okay. Let me continue with the plot. So he gets sent to the Ottoman Empire, right? He's now an ambassador. Once he's there, he pulls a Lawrence and just becomes an Ottoman, right? Um, he's wearing the uh, wearing the the traditional attire, and this guy, Lord Harry, I think his name is, shows up and is like, "Oh my, Orlando, what are you doing?" And they hold a ceremony for him, and there's a battle, and he's like, "I don't want to fight." Next morning, he's a woman. There's I, I in my brain I thought there was more of a transition. There's not. Mm-hmm. He just wakes up and has tits. And yep. now I can say t- Tilda Swinton's the only person on the planet who I can say I've seen both their penis and their vagina. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> but so he's now a woman. And when he returns, they're all like, "What? Orlando's a woman now." But because they're all awkward British ar- aristocrats, they aren't you know, it's the stiff upper lip of the British people, right? They don't want to overreact, but they're also like, oh, oh goodness, this is most unorthodox. You're now pronounced you know? dead, and also a woman. <laughs> You're awesome, but it's important to note that what she says when she wakes up as a woman, she's like, oh, look, absolutely nothing has changed. I'm completely mm-hmm. the same person, just a different sex. Mm-hmm. And then looks into the camera. Yeah, she looks at, that's what Many the movie's times. been doing up to, well, the book is narrated from her perspective, right? You gotta, you gotta so keep the in movie. mind. Yeah, she's allowed to look at the camera. Fourth wall breaks are allowed in movies. I know, but you just said the theme of the movie in the most explicit way you can, Uh and then looked at the camera and metaphorically flipped me off. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I can pick up things. It's definitely not a subtle movie. I will grant you that. The movies... No, but that's what our house films, I feel like, a lot of times are. Like, they, like, pride themselves on their subtleties and their themes. Not, Not necessarily. Like... Good good art house can be anything. Good art house can be Ratatouille, you know? Um, the part where all the swirling flavors, that's art house, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the thing is... What I said about art house is probably very wrong, but... No, you're not wrong. But the thing is, art house is not a genre. It's a description. Anything can be art house. Anyone can art can house. Um... <laughs> Wes is wrong when he says he dislikes art house movies. I know I'm wrong. He's he's wrong because there is no such thing as art house movies. There are movies that are art and there are movies that are pop, you know. House. It's like it's like it's like Radiohead versus One Direction, right? They're both music, yeah. but one of them is art and one of them is pop, right? You yes. can like both. I'm saying I hate Radiohead, Nick. <laughs> I wish you told me that before I bought you a Kid A album, but... I'm just saying, you can categorize some films at Art House, mm-hmm. and the ones that you do 
I tend to despise. <laughs> uh huh. Well, that's I know fair. I that's I. That's, yeah. there's, there are definitely exceptions to that, as with everything. Hey, I thought that's why we made this podcast is because we all have different opinions, you know. Oh no, I I love this recommendation. Someone's got someone's got to recommend Walter Mitty every now and again, you know, True. and then someone has to recommend Time Code. Um, <laughs> I love this recommendation. I do hate yeah. this movie. Though. It's this is uh, okay. This is better than Night of Cups because at least like it's a little bit more interesting. Um, I will say, uh, kind of opposite of Ari, I was more engaged with this movie towards the beginning than later than as it went on. Um, I think it was just because I was like, I'm interested to see where this goes. And then when I saw that it went nowhere, I was like, oh, okay, I, d- I don't understand why you think it went nowhere. Like this movie is barely an hour and a half long. Everything that happens in it nothing is... matters. Nothing carries on. Nothing ties back except there's one. The latest, I mean, there's there's some theme stuff. Like for example, like mm-hmm. some guy says to her the exact same words she said to a guy to like, like I own you. Why? Because I adore you. Mm-hmm. Like I caught them. Like okay, still a little heavy handed, but you know I accept that. That's that's an okay thing you did there, movie. Yeah. So Bravo. I'll I'll finish the synopsis real quick. She goes back. She's declared legally dead because she's a woman. And then they say, well, look, we don't know, we don't understand what happened, but you're a woman now, so by British law, you cannot own your property, uh, bye. So then she falls in love with Billy Zane. Billy Zane just shows up, and I'll get to that later. You forgot to mention the fact that she falls asleep in a field for a hundred years. She falls asleep in a field, yeah, well, there's weird time jumps. There's, she's running through Wait, a hedge maze for 50 years. Is she actually in that years. field for 100 years, or is that just a... I think that's just filmmaking. No, um, I think, I don't know, I don't know. Like, I, I, I like some, like, weird metaphysical stuff. Like, I, I love Dorian Gray, um, but, like... I don't think is it is metaphysical. Like... I think that's just the way it's told. Really? I, I, I interpreted so. that she literally just falls asleep well, for 100 years. Well, she also, years. there's definitely metaphysics. She becomes a woman. So, like, yeah, there's definitely some Dorian Gray-esque shit going on. Like, Dorian, the, the tits of Dorian Gray, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so now she falls in love with Billy Zane, but Billy Zane has to go back to America. Then we see World War One for about 10 seconds, and she's pregnant. She it's walks Billy through child, it as a pregnant woman. Then she tries to sell her book. It's like Little Women. She tries to yes. sell her book, which I guess she wrote about herself, and the book editor is portrayed by the poet from earlier. Uh, don't know what that means, but it <laughs> happened. And then at the end of the movie, it's, I guess, modern day, so 1992. She goes with her daughter, who I guess also just doesn't age. But kind of does. Sort of does. They go to her previous residence, sit under a tree, and there's a fucking angel in the sky. I don't know singing. why that happens. <laughs> when I when I saw that, I watched this movie the first time. I love. Like, okay, I'm 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 enjoying this. This is good. I like this movie. Very good looking film. Uh, then it gets a little slower. I'm like, okay, I'm still with it. And then we're getting close to the end. I'm like, oh, this is probably the ending. This is pretty good. And then that happens, and I go my jaw drops and i'm like what the fuck why did that happen why was this in this movie i didn't like that it's like the ending of suspiria coincidentally which wes contrary to me actually liked the ending of that suspiria right you mm-hmm. like the, yeah. about i didn't like the ending thing? of this yeah. what did you say Is it, I, are you referring to the ritual thing the ritual thing yeah yeah I, I felt the same way about the ritual that I do about the ending of it, and I think that's what's stopping me from loving it, is because I don't know why that happens or what that means, or 
I think that that was pretentious. And why is it like a 2D PNG? <laughs> that's that's my bar for pretentious. It's so stupid, and I don't know what it is. But what makes it's it even so more, strange. what makes it less weird and more pretentious is it's another repeat character. It's um, at some point in the film we see a man singing in falsetto. I think it's at the fancy party with all the mm-hmm. the the people who think they're smart. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a guy there it's the same guy is the angel what does that mean you know i don't know but hey it's it's, frustrating. it's something this movie is frustrating so i think i can almost sympathize with you because i feel the same way you do about this movie except just for 10 seconds of it <laughs> i can only imagine what it must have been to feel that way for 90 minutes if you're ari <laughs> well it helps that i almost fell asleep while watching it half, half the time let me let me attempt to explain what I think about this movie, right? Again, it's not the most subtle thing ever. Um, but I also but don't think time, that matters. at the same time, I don't really know what it's trying to say. I feel like it's trying to say something, maybe. It's a Virginia Woolf book, right? Virginia Woolf was some manner of not straight, and she was also, like, early, early British feminist uh, writer, right? Mm-hmm. Again, I have not read this book, so I don't know anything about it, but I do know that it is allegedly one of the most important feminist works of, like, the 1920s, right? I don't know what one of means. I don't know how many there are. I don't know how many came before it. I don't know when feminism was a thing or not, you know? I you just don't even know, know who women are. I've, I've heard True. of Elizabeth Cady Stanton, and that's my knowledge of <laughs> feminism, right? The thing with this movie is you have to acknowledge it is based on a book by a woman who is known for writing strange books, right? Obviously the plot is going to be strange. This isn't Mulholland. This isn't this woman's idea. This is a different woman's idea that's being made into a movie, right? So I like the plot of this movie, but if I didn't like the plot, I'd still have to look at it from a filmmaking standpoint because it's not her, it's a different story that she's adapted, right? just because something's based on a book, that doesn't mean that the writing isn't important. But I do think that means the writing is less important because it's like, well, she didn't write that, so that's not her idea. That's just her movie is her interpretation of it. I don't know how much of this isn't original. Mm. I feel like in a movie, the premise is not as important as the portrayal and the execution. And the premise... Like, this premise could be fine in principle. Yeah. However, mm-hmm. does is is it so crucial that she has to break the fourth wall and nothing else matters and everything else is terrible about this? Film? I believe that the book yeah, also I mean, kind of... breaks the fourth wall because it's written in the first person, right? Yeah, but you don't have to do that. You don't just because it's to. in the reference medium. And you can do it you well. Have to I mean, Ari, to like, Ari likes Fight Club, and they break the fourth wall in Fight Club. So and Big Shorts True. and. Birds of Prey, and... That's also a feminist piece, so... (laughs) True. (laughs) Um, This is, I think, the first movie we've done on the podcast that breaks the fourth wall and isn't a comedy. Like, you might just be associating fourth wall breaks with only Mm Deadpool-type movies, you know? (laughs) I don't know how often it is for movies to be dramatic and also be told from the first person of the character, but I don't think that it's like... I don't think that's a, a problem. I like that, that it's and looking into the camera like thirteen times, especially yeah, after she like... says the theme of the movie. Well, 
is it's not necessarily the theme it's i believe that is a direct quote from the book right if that's what the book's about then that's also what the movie's going to be about right yeah it's the theme is not the problem the problem is that she says the theme explicitly <laughs> and then looks into the camera well walter mitty also says the theme explicitly he doesn't yeah look but in he the doesn't camera, look into the camera 30 times i don't understand why the looking into the camera is the part you're taking issue with it though. feels so it feels pretentious as hell how is I'm that watching... pretentious though it just well, feels first it. off even if it is pretentious which it could or could not be that's not tilda swinton's fault that's that's the movie, right? Yeah, I'm not blaming Tilda Swinton. She just happens to be in movies that I despise. I'm just trying to make sure Multiple you don't times. hate Tilda Swinton because Tilda Swinton is my favorite working actress. No, I like her. I think she's Emma good Stone. I think I've seen three movies with her and six appearances of her. She's averaged <laughs> two per movie. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, no, this is only one appearance. You've seen Avengers, Endgame, or Infinity War. Oh, yeah, she is. Wait, I no, Endgame. She's that. Endgame and Doctor Strange. Which is her greatest role, is yeah. uh, Dr. Manhattan or whatever <laughs> Yep. Wants. Okay. I mean, at this point, <laughs> it's a toss-up between that and the uh, one from uh, whatever it is. Adam Dager. It's okay, Ari. Just see Snowpiercer. Easy. Okay. Um, <laughs> I will maybe So, yeah, I mean, like that's kind of like what I was saying in that I don't have a problem with anything that happens in this movie. Like, I'm fine if any of this stuff happened better um <laughs> yeah okay it's like there's that, that there's that like poet or songwriter i don't know someone did this i think it was like thomas pynchon it was like thomas pynchon or something or i, I don't I, I i honestly don't know but like someone who like cuts sentences up into like pieces of paper and then like shuffles them around in a hat and like takes them out and arranges them that way um, Radiohead does this with some of the lyrics of their song. It kind of feels like this, except for like, yeah, there's like no continuity, or there is. Con- I don't, dude, I don't know. It just doesn't feel coherent. I just, I, I don't uh, understand either of you saying it's not coherent because, like, I don't. I got it both times. Like, I didn't think it was supposed to be, like, nonsensical. I, everything that I'm thinking in my brain makes sense, except the last bit. It's Except like it, it's bit, like it's but that's it's, not plot. That's just fucking weird. It just feels it, it's weird because it's like okay, okay each, why each year has like why these can subheadings. He she live forever and why does he turn into a girl? I don't know. I think that that is the framework for Virginia Woolf to say here is okay. I'm I'm again I'm basing this off of 1920s interpretations of what women are right, especially in England. England in the 1920s and for most of its existence was not the most uh, friendly place for women, right? Yeah. But she's saying, look, I'm going to present to you a character. He's a man. He is an androgynous man, but he's still a man. He does all the things that a man would do. Mm-hmm. And then by he's turning that like character... Hates women. <laughs> yeah, by turning that character into a woman and literally saying verbatim, everything's the same just a woman mm-hmm. and then we see house gets taken away gets treated poorly you know even even earlier like his poetry is criticized right but he also isn't treated like an idiot um right. but now that she's a woman even though at this point she has experience she's been all over she's done all these things she's been around for 200 years at this point she she isn't worth anything to these people right and mm-hmm. i think that what it's saying at the end is when she sits under that tree and is finally happy, I think what that's trying to say is, this is better than it was in the 1600s. I can finally be happy as me. 
why she becomes a woman, why she starts as a man, that's, I think, just artistic merit. Yeah. It's just the framework for the story that I am trying to tell. No, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. And I don't think, I don't ever think it does, it's never contradicting itself. I don't think that it makes no sense. I think it presents individual scenes fairly reasonably. I guess, I just, I just think it's weird the way that it presents individual scenes, because, like, it skips Mm -hmm. ahead 50, 100 years or whatever, and it's like, this part is now the part about poetry, and it's like, like what is like this isn't like a real person's life and like I, I i get and you know the book is called orlando a biography this is not a biography this is just like things about society i guess um except for the part that is called society well the movie's not called a biography it's just I, know, I, know, orlando, I know i know right? i know um yeah the book actually takes place in real time they don't skip ahead in years <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean just like I, I don't get why you, you like this movie, Nick. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, even from just a filmmaking standpoint, like, I, well, I think, think from a filmmaking standpoint, I like it a lot. I think it looks great. And okay. I, but I that's like more important to me than the, the <laughs> plot because I don't, you know, I get what's happening. I don't necessarily know why. I'm just like, okay, that's the story they chose to it tell. It does look good. Don't, I, don't get me wrong. It does, I don't think it doesn't look good. I think it looks worse than uh, the other movie though. Uh-huh. Children of Men children of men well they look good in different ways it's hard to compare. oh i know like, I, I can acknowledge things can look good hey, in different ways even you even said suspiria looked good i got those words out of you i re-listened to the podcast oh, yeah. you said that's a good looking movie right yeah like is, that looks the cinematography and like the colors and everything it's just like uh-huh but that 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 is one aspect of film that i, I guess it's it can be important however it's not as important as, you know, the journey that you're taking me on and the lessons I'm learning. The lesson I learned here was something I learned as a two-year-old and has been told to me in so many other ways with so much more nuance than uh-huh. sexism against women is bad. But was it, would it have been told to you if you were alive in 1928? It doesn't matter. Not I'm 1928, that's when the movie came out, Nick. That's when the like, book came out. Look at it this way. We still make adaptations of Hamlet. Is Hamlet as relevant today? Oh, I think it. Okay, I think Hamlet is super relevant because it, it can be interpreted in many different ways. Yes, but it also is more about a thing that doesn't change over time. People will forever continue to be uncomfortable becoming a man or whatever. Right. I guess this is a movie about becoming a woman. But, yeah. <laughs> like, when you write a movie about something that is like a. a, a changing moral or something that's changes in society right if you read a book like uncle tom do we need a film adaptation of uncle tom's cabin no we don't (laughs) but that book served its purpose at its time and has to be judged as a product of its time if orlando is a book from 1928 why are you saying that uncle tom's cabin cannot be if they made an uncle tom's cabin and the main and the whole point was just like slavery bad mm-hmm. right and there's no nuance to it like there barely is in this in this this one uh-huh. it's just like oh look everybody there are people with other colors that are just as person as everyone else mm-hmm. i would think that the, there was some definitely missing thematic nuance there that's just almost i feel like um i'm being patronized as a watcher for i mean given that back then it is, uh, in a lot of ways, a radical idea, and it's very important to the history of America. However, I am a person living in 2020 
there is a lot of racial and sexual problems happening in the world. Mm -hmm. However, it is far more nuanced than this, and it feels patronizing watching it, especially when uh, Tillerson looks at me and he's just like, I can be just as good as a man, even though I have a different gender, because mm -hmm. I should be able to own property. Yeah. So Ari, how much do you? How much more do you think you would like this movie? It didn't have any of the fourth wall breaks, but everything else was the same. Um, I would like it more. Uh -huh. I still wouldn't like it. Yeah, I'll tell you that <laughs> right I'm now. I'm thinking about how he reacted to the end of Black Klansman. Okay, but I think that's different. Break. I think it's different. I don't think I. I think it's different in that I liked this compared to that. Well, I like that compared to this. Because that, that felt like beating it in your face. Like yeah, that but that's also a real so... thing that is happening. Well, this was a real thing that happened. <laughs> I'm not. Well, in a way. Well, in, again, Yeah, yeah, it's I'm a real thing British. that happened in terms of society, not in terms of a person who has lived for 200 years. Yeah, but I, you know, I feel the same way about the ending of Black Klansman that Ari feels about this movie. Like, yeah, I get what you're saying. You don't have to then say... But it's like some people need to get that beaten into their heads because well, are those are real people that, there that exist today that are in it. Are you saying there are people today that wouldn't say women are less than no no, no. I, I agree that this is something that doesn't have to be subtle um yeah i i, I don't as much have a problem with the fourth wall breaks as ari does I... other than it feels nonsensical i think you can beat it over people's head in a in a different way yeah. um, in general i do not think movies like how important their message is like i don't give a shit right this movie could have come out this year it could have come out in 1898 Actually, I'd be impressed if this came out in 1998. <laughs> but, like, I, that's not how I judge movies, right? But I do think if that's part of the story and someone's critique of this movie is it doesn't need to exist, like, no movie needs to exist. Yeah. You know? So the story that a movie is telling, while important, is not the most important thing. I think from a filmmaking standpoint, that's why I like it as much as I do. To answer your question of why I like this movie... It's from a filmmaking standpoint, but I also think that because both of you are saying, like, I don't care what's happening. Like, I, I never was unengaged in the plot either time. Like, I thought I thought it was an interesting movie. I thought it was saying things that I was vaguely intrigued by. Um, yeah, I don't I, I don't really know what else to say other than that. I'm, I've been saying the same thing over and over. It's just I like this movie because yeah, yeah. I like it. Mm -hmm. But, you know. Okay, think about the Irishman. Oh. We all thought eh about the Irishman. Uh -huh. It was formally fantastic. I don't even I think it was it... formally fantastic. You don't think the Irishman? I was. Formally? I was. It was easy... acted extremely well. The cinematography is very good. I don't remember the music very much. I I thought it was okay. Well, then, because then we watched Casino, and Casino is so much better than the Irishman, right? I agree, but it's exciting, whereas the Irishman isn't. This movie is, I mean, just because it has weird things and it doesn't make it exciting. Uh -huh. Well, it, I don't think it does just have weird things. I think it has more going for it than that. I like this character, you know. I think this is an interesting character and an interesting... Like, I'm, I'm struggling to understand why you don't think it's interesting. I think it's boring. <laughs> it's a matter of opinion. Yeah. I think that's what it boils down to. I will say, though, um, I'm bringing it back. Phallic Imagery Corner, except this week, it's not Phallic Imagery Corner. This week is our first ever Vaginal Imagery Corner. <laughs> uh, Let me I just mean, say, finally, because both of these films... <laughs> I love the part when 
she walks into the the, the society part and she walks into the room and they all are like <gasps> like jaws drop when they see her because she has this big poofy dress and uh i don't know that is i believe vaginal imagery uh because she I has thought, the biggest vagina in the room if you're saying vaginal imagery i thought you were going to say this is before he becomes a woman but there's a part where he's standing in the ice and a crack goes directly beneath him. Oh. <laughs> well, I guess I that's, know, also, I that's also a little bit that's of foreshadowing funny. right there. Mm-hmm. It broke the ice. That's funny. I, I don't know. I, 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 uh, look, there are people that dislike it. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I don't know. Again, I don't think movies have to, like I, when we talked about uh, fucking singing in the rain, right? Wes's big thing with that is I don't like how it portrays women, Mm. right? Everything he said about that movie, other than the theme that he gathered from it, was positive. He loved that movie except for what he said (laughs) it was saying, right? Yeah. So if you're going to now tell me that... that I like what it's saying, Nick. I like what it's saying. I'm not a Uh sexist, Nick. So then what is it that you don't like? Because I get that he doesn't... doesn't, Well, I I don't understand how it's boring. You, I mean, you can't, you can't make me not think it's boring. I just that is think, correct. I but just think you, that things you can happen. Make me understand. Yes. Well, I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll try, but I don't know. Things, uh-huh. things happened, and I just feel like they just happened, and like it didn't matter. It didn't affect the future. Because nothing past. happens in the grand scheme um, of like nothing happens that has a result that affects the character or the end. It's I like mean, it's like skits. It's like Saturday Night Live skits. It's like oh yeah, this is the one where she goes to the tea. Except party they're not then. funny. <laughs> yeah. So this seems like it's another infamous case of Wes thinks that real life is boring, right? Oh, 100%. because this is this is portraying a person, right? It's doing it over a course of hundreds of years, but it's still just showing. Seg- this is boyhood, but good, in my opinion. Mm, I this is boyhood, but boyhood, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, hey, you're again. I don't know what boyhood hood is, but I think this movie movie isn't good at all. I that's fair, but I don't know. I just you're wrong. Um, yeah, and vice versa, brother. Wait, and I forgot to say something. Okay, Go no, speak. this is no, this is important. I'm I'm asking because now that I know you hate it, I can only make you hate it more by asking this, right? Okay. I want to talk about Billy Zane's character really quickly. Oh, okay. I think Billy Zane's character is implied to be the same thing that Orlando is, but opposite, like woman having become a man there's nothing that directly says this but the way that they talk to each other she says something like imagine that i were a man and he goes you a man right and she says something like oh if i was courageous whatever things that she said earlier in the movie are qualities of a man right things that she found that she did not exemplify because she runs away from the battle she runs away from other problems in her life right and then billy zane responds by saying imagine i was a woman and she goes, you, a woman? And then he says two qualities of a woman, basically the same way she said qualities of a man, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's, like, close-ups of his face where he's got these fucking, like, voluptuous lips, right? <laughs> and I mm. think they did something to them because they don't look like Billy Zane's normal lips and his eyes are all shiny and he's being all like, ho ho. Mm. Things that he says, I think, are supposed to imply that he used to be a woman that became a man because he wanted to go be an adventurer or whatever. And that up to that point, you know, you couldn't do that if you were a woman. I think that that is what that's supposed to be implying. And that's I'm just asking I did not think if that. you think that is possible. I would not be surprised. I, I do think it is possible. It, it does not make me like or dislike the movie anymore. Yeah. 
I just heard like a beep, like you lost a point each. Uh, <laughs> I will say though, I will say something that I thought at the beginning of this movie is I think it would be really cool to do a period movie or just any movie where uh, it's all actors playing the opposite sex, but like no attention is drawn to it. Mm-hmm. Well, that would be even because uh, Elizabeth the first played by a man in this, like I don't know what that means, other than to say. Like, to prepare you subtly for the idea that people could be playing something that they're not. And then... Yeah, but except then for the fact that Tilda Swinton also is not. Because <laughs> her opening lines are, um, there can be no doubt that he is a man, you know? Mm-hmm. And then like, her closing cat. lines are, female, for there can be no doubt for that she is a female, right? I'm assuming those are direct lines from the book, because they just sound like book lines. But I, I, I think that there is a strong possibility that that's what billy zade's character is supposed to be um i have nothing else to say okay there's nothing well, else right. on that uh, do we have questions we i, do I don't i don't have questions we don't have um, questions um but you can leave us one on the postpone re- subreddit or the instagram uh all the links are in the description below boys it is my thank, turn oh, wait, rec- before we go i want to say thank you for the recommendation nick and uh Wes's brother. Yep. I think they're both very good recommendations. Yes, my brother Pita-Man. Uh, With yeah. Pita-Man. Doc Ock, don't, don't kidnap me just because I'm related to Pita-Man, uh, like as <laughs> always happens in all the Pita-Man movies. Um, anyway, it is my turn to recommend a movie, uh, and so I, I've been doing some thinking, okay? So, here's, here, here's why I'm recommending uh, this movie, and spoiler alert, it's two movies. Ooh, yes, damn. it's a double feature, Buckle yourselves up. I'm sorry, Ari, but I'm not sorry, Ari, because... Okay, so last episode, uh, we, we got a question from Man about video games and adapting video games into movies. Spoiler alert, mm. we haven't done a video game movie on this podcast. Probably for good oh, reason, because no. mostly yeah. they're bad. So something else I've realized this week is that we were talking amongst ourselves. We have an internal document where we rate movies and such, and I've done only movies that... I like and generally you guys like like the movies I've recommended are some of like the highest ones that we've rated so okay, I'm like guys. okay I haven't done wait. a bad movie yet and we also wait, haven't before done... you recommend I want to give some context okay Wes in our top five movies sorry top ten movies Wes has the majority of them mm-hmm. like average between our personal scores and he doesn't have a single one in the bottom ten Whereas the opposite situation for me, yes. however. I'm well, just... no, look at it this way. Wes has only recommended movies that he likes that we've liked. Ari has recommended a few movies that he hasn't seen, so he doesn't know what his opinion is, and he some of them are new movies that none of us have seen. I have consistently recommended movies that only I like. <laughs> <laughs> amazing, amazing. So, um... Yeah, but no, you got... <sighs> I did get Watership oh. Down. I'll give myself you that You got one. Metropolis. Oh. And that was all season one, baby. This is season five. We're up to, we're up <laughs> to no good. Peaked. Anyway, um, so yes, bad video game movie. But I won't. But you know, I feel bad only doing a bad video game movie. So uh, the 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 first feature will actually be a good video game movie. And this one, you're, you'll be good with Ari because it's only like 15 minutes long. So mm. the first movie is okay. the Uncharted fan film on YouTube. Um, okay. I, it's, it's amazing. Uh, I don't know how much you guys, I, I don't think you guys have played Uncharted, but I think this is oh. probably the best video game movie I've ever seen. So 15 minutes. It's yeah. Ari just came <laughs> easy money. Yeah. No, oh, Ari's going to so love nice. this. Ari's going to love this movie. Um, so the Uncharted fan film on YouTube. Does that count as a movie? Yes. I'm oh. counting it. 
And um, if you but I, do... I have like less than two minutes to, to say this next movie, okay? Um, uh-huh. Which is a notoriously bad video game movie. I've never seen it before, but we will be watching the Super Mario Brothers movie. Oh my god! Um, so yeah, oh. have fun with that. I saw a screenshot recently. It's 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 something. Okay. So anyway, look forward to that. Watch those two movies by the next episode. Uh, like our podcast, give it a five star rating. It, ask us some questions. And with that, this has been episode fifty two of Postpone. Uh, see. <laughs> See you next time. Bye-bye. It's-a me. Bye-bye. So long, <laughs> gay pwn. <laughs>